Bring me your tired, your stressed, your overwhelmed and anxious, yearning for some joy in life. It's time to go out and play. Welcome back to Playgrounding. This is Kara Stewart Fortier. This week, you are going to hear from the amazing Jeff Harry. I am so privileged to have had a chance to have a conversation with him, to meet him. Um, wow. Yeah, this conversation will mean something to you if by any chance during the year of 2020, you've experienced any frustrations, any fears, any, you know, big disappointments. Yeah, you're going to want to listen to what he has to say. In fact, um, he was recently featured in a New York Times article by Kristen Wong called How to Add Play to Your Grown-Up Life Even Now. <laughs> so yeah, keep listening. But let me tell you a little bit about Jeff first. Jeff Harry shows individuals and companies how to tap into their true selves to feel their happiest and most fulfilled all by playing. Jeff has worked with Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Adobe, the NFL, Amazon, and Facebook. He helps their staff infuse more play into their day-to-day. -day. Jeff is an international speaker who has presented at conferences such as Inbound, South by Southwest, and Australia's PodFest, showing audiences how major issues in the workplace can be solved using play. He was selected by Bamboo HR and engagedly as one of the top 100 HR influencers of 2020 for his organizational development work around dealing with toxic people in the workplace. He's also been featured on Alt-J, Soul Pancake, the San Francisco Chronicle, and CNN. While we spend most of our time pretending to be important, serious grown-ups, it's when we let go of that facade and just play that the real magic happens. Fully embracing your own nerdy genius, whatever that is, gives you the power to make a difference and change lives. Jeff believes that we, are, we already have many of the answers we seek, and by simply unleashing our inner child, we can find purpose and in turn, help create a better world. Okay, here's my conversation with Jeff. Thank you so much for joining me, Jeff Harry. This is quite a privilege to be able to talk to you. This is going to be so awesome. I'm excited. Oh Let's my gosh. Go. Me too. And I was like, I was just looking because usually I go in with a topic idea and mm -hmm. I, you sent me some links and oh my goodness, I just, sent, I went down a rabbit hole of really cool stuff that I was like, I could do whole episodes on like every one of these links. <laughs> but the first thing I wouldn't mind hearing is, how you became a person who works and plays for a living. Who are you? <laughs> oh, sure. So um, I'll tell the short version. Okay. Um, when I, um, do you remember the movie Big? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I saw Big as a kid. And as soon as I saw Big, I saw um, that Tom Hanks was playing with toys. Like he, <laughs> like he get, got a job to play with toys for a living. So literally right after that movie, I started writing toy companies like oh, that day. And that so was maybe fourth or fifth grade. And then I kept writing them in sixth and seventh grade. I started using a word processor. That's how old I am. Like, oh, not even a computer, like a word processor. <laughs> and I would, I would, I remember like I mailed one and it was so thick. It got sent back. So then I started sending like multiple at the same oh, time. So goodness. I was spamming 
places with letters before spam was like a thing. <laughs> and they thought I was an adult. So they would write these letters back to me, be like, we already have people. Thank you for your interest, blah, blah, blah. And the <laughs> ideas got more and more prolific. And I always thought they were stealing my ideas. Well, anyway, finally in sophomore year, like a company wrote me back actually wrote me back and was like, you should go into mechanical engineering because I think I asked them, what should I major in? Um, and then I went into that, which I probably shouldn't have, but I went into it anyway. Um, and um, I went to Tufts and there was like a Lego program there. <gasps> and that was when they were just developing like the Lego Mindstorms, mm -hmm. but it was the school version. So I messed around with that. And then I left, went to New York and worked for a bunch of toy companies, just like applied to like 90 toy companies. And it was, and I did the same thing, writing so many letters. And I remember I got an inter interview with the Toys R Us Corporation because I wrote a letter about opening, um, they should open their toys and play with them inside the store. Right. And it got people, it got some HR people interested. They brought me in. I didn't get the job that they were talking about, but then they interviewed me again, like a few months later. And then I was at Toys R Us. And then I was like, I'm in the corporate office, the dream. I'm right? around toys. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and it was horrible. It was oh, horrible. Really? It was horrible. Like no one was fun. No toys, no kids. Just nothing. And then 9-11 happened and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I, I don't want to die in a cubicle. So I remember continuing to work for Toys R Us, but I went to Times Square Toys R Us where they were opening the largest toy store in the world. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up playing with toys, doing the job that I had pitched a year or two years earlier under the Jurassic Park T-Rex, which they had put in the, yes. in the store. So I was playing with toys underneath a T-Rex and it was awesome and I was playing. Um, and then they laid a bunch of people off after Christmas and they kept me. And then I tried to unionize the store. Oh God, what do you, what do you do? All right, well, anyway, fast forward, they didn't want me there. So I left and I went to the Bay Area and I had no idea what to do. And I worked for some other toy companies like Sega and the same result, like, I thought I had it and, and people were miserable. They weren't mm -hmm. happy there. And then I didn't know what to do with my life because I was like, what am I supposed to do? Because what I dreamed of having, I got, and it wasn't the dream. Yep. Um, and then I remember finding this Craigslist ad for this job where you could teach kids engineering with Lego. And I joined it and it was just these seven nerdy dudes Awesome. Um, and I, I stayed with him for a really, really long time and we grew it into like the largest Lego STEM organization in the country, which is wow. crazy, right? Like that's awesome. 400 oh people gosh. teaching a hundred thousand kids a year. Um, and it was just, it was just awesome because the way in which we did it was we just played. We had no idea what we were doing. We had no business plan. We chose cities because they were fun. Like mm -hmm. it was just, we just made it up as we went along. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually um, I worked for the Obama campaign and then came back and worked for them. And then tech companies started asking us, do you do team building events? And we we're like, yeah, of course we do, even though we didn't. And <laughs> we just like, and we started playing with adults. And while I realized that, that's when I realized like, oh, I have to create a different organization from the one I've created here because I realized that a lot of the team building events that we ran talked about creativity and collaboration and connection, mm -hmm. but they didn't talk about like a lot of the 
underlying issues that a lot of companies had to deal with. Yeah. And I was, so I created a separate organization called Rediscover Your Play, where the whole idea was to dive into really challenging issues, such as like a thing I do with my colleague, Gary Ware, as we run a workshop called Dealing with A-Holes at Work Through Play. Mm-hmm. It's dealing with toxicity at work because there's a lot of it, right? Or, or, or the one I'm doing with my friend Tashan, which is like dealing or how to not be racist at work by accident, mm-hmm. by, you know, because a lot of people are, and they don't know why they are. They're like, whoops, you know, or a workshop I, I do with another colleague, Lauren Yee, where we navigate their uncertainty by, by exploring your futures where your fun is. Like, yeah. how do you find that? How do you navigate during all this uncertainty when there's like no answers, right? And it's like kids that are playing, like that is the answer so much of the time. So mm-hmm. like I truly believe, and this is part of, from my positive psychology background, that we have all the answers. We've always have, have had all the answers we need. And we simply need to tap back into our inner child in order to rediscover them. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it just reminds me of learning, you know, acting in an acting school back in the day, they would, they would teach me that you knew how to breathe when you were a child, when you were a baby. And then now you're, you're breathing all up in your chest and you're like, you know, and then they had to teach me again to breathe. And I'm like, Oh, wow. And now I watch children, I watch animals. And I'm like, you know, I had to do all of this stuff. I had to sit there for a year in a movement class. And, you know. Right. Because sometimes we just have to reteach ourselves because yeah. there was a moment. And I say this to a lot of like your listeners is like, when you, when was the last time you, you went to the playground, there was a moment when you went for the last time. Right. Oh, for the last time. I mean, so and maybe true. now you go back, but it's just like mm-hmm. there was that moment, and it's just like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you needed to be cool? Did you feel like something? You know, like you you talked about it in the in my story. I share this really embarrassing story of my <laughs> teenage years, but the whole premise of the story is I didn't want to be cool. I wanted to play, but mm-hmm. everyone else wanted to be cool, mm-hmm. and I felt alone. And then I felt like I needed to pursue belonging. And then just like with my toy job, I pursued belonging. I did whatever I can to be cool, to be accepted. I got all the things that I thought, you know, I needed, right? Mm-hmm. Like really yeah. luscious hair and, <laughs> you know, all the cool Cavarici <laughs> jeans and all this stuff. Stonewashed. And you had a stonewash with yes. some holes in it, you know, like all that stuff. <laughs> and then I finally was accepted and I felt like, a fraud, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I was like, what am I doing? So then just like what you said, where you went into your basement, I went into my basement and started creating games for myself and then eventually for my friends. And it was the one safe space, my freshman through senior year, where you could just come and not be cool. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is that basement what I created there is the exact same stuff I do now, which is I create a safe space for people to play and learn about who they are or rediscover who they are. So beautiful. Oh my goodness. There are so many different places to go from here, but really quickly, when you talk about positive psychology, because I feel like we'll get more out of our conversations. If you kind of like, just give me a little idea of what that is for you, what maybe... Yeah, so positive psychology is super fascinating. It was started by, it was founded by Martin Seligman, who's still alive. He's a super dope professor out of UPenn. He has a Mm -hmm. program called uh, MAP. Um, It's a master's of applied positive psychology. And the reason he created it is because psychology up until 
I think the 1980s, 1990s had only studied what was wrong with people. Mm-hmm. Like, why is this person this way? What, you know, it's just like studying depression, just studying all the ailments of people. And he was just like, has anyone studied any of the things that humans are doing right? You know, <laughs> how, do, how do we move, instead of just focusing on people for moving them from depression to neutral, how about we focus on people that are in the neutral state and move them to flourishing? Is that possible? I want to find out. So he explored it, right? And it was this whole idea of exploring what people already do well and double downing on that and pointing mm-hmm. out that. And positive psychology is not positivity. It's not like being happy all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's toxic positivity. That is <laughs> yes. not, that is irrational and slightly crazy. Mm-hmm. But positive psychology is studying like, how can you have all of the emotions? How can you embrace all the emotions and still be okay with it? That you can have multiple feelings going on. Like when I was at my dad's funeral, I was surrounded by five of his brothers who had not seen each other in 30 years. Mm -hmm. There was a certain joy I was feeling while Mm -hmm. feeling grief. And I was like, ah, can I have both of these? And positive psychology is like, yes, you can have multiple. That's what actually makes life worth living. Having multiple emotions at the same time. The whole Pixar movie. What was the the Pixar movie again? Uh, The Toy Story movies or no the, um, the one about feeling. Oh, the emotions move the yeah i don't remember the name of it right now but i play yeah, but yeah where I they have depression complex emotions at the at the same time right mm-hmm. and it's just it's embracing what what is awesome about us and, yes. and double downing on how do we explore that you know figuring out like one of their main uh premises is the choose map where every decision you make, you have a choice of whether you want to choose the learner path where you're just like curious and fascinated by whatever's happening and open, letting go of expectations or the judger path where you go down this negative spiral and you listen to your inner critic that's mm-hmm. just like, you're the worst and you're so mean and you just keep going down it, you know? And there's always even a choice when you go down the judger, judger path of like catching yourself and being like, I'm judging myself. I don't need to. That mean voice isn't me or it is me, but it's a part of me from like my childhood. So that's okay. But I don't need it running my life right now. You can sit in the backseat. Let me now focus on what is going well in my life. So like those things, that, that is what made me so excited about it. Wow. And it's inside out is the inside out. Yes. Yes. So good. Wow. And, and I, there was a, a context, like when I was reading some of the work you've recently done on COVID, um, where people are stuck and everyone's telling themselves stories of how things should be, how things were supposed to be and that kind of thing. Um, and I think also it applies to story, the way that we look at our adolescence, like I should be cool and this will be mm-hmm. the thing I should be working in this and this should be the thing. And we keep running up against these walls. Um, what do you, what is, how, how would psychology, positive psychology lead someone in a situation or how would you lead someone in a situation like that where they're just banging their head against a wall saying this should work or I was supposed to have this job and now all is ruined um yeah I we it's interesting you ask that question so you know in our your future where your fun is workshop that mm -hmm. Lauren Yee and I run we actually do um an experiential play exercise where people write down everything that they're mourning about what 2020 could have been. 
We literally write it down. You write everyone down and then you feel it. You let yourself feel it. Like you write it down and then you look at it and you're like, oh, and you, Mm -hmm. and you're, you get sad or angry or whatever your emotion is about it because you should have some emotions about it. And then when finally you're ready, you fold it up into a paper airplane. Um, And the reason why you fold it up in a paper airplane is because you're like, you're just, you're letting it go for now. It's not that you're not letting go forever, but you're just like, it's not going to happen right now. Yeah. And it's okay. It's okay that it isn't, but it's not the end of the world either. You know, I know people that were supposed to get married, people that were supposed to, you know, this was going to be their best year. You know, yeah. how many people thought like 2020 is the best year, year you know, yeah. it's hindsight. Like, it's just like, it's an amazing, you know, and you know, because 2019 was so horrible. So 2020 has yeah. got to be the year. Right. So no one could have predicted this. Um, And then finally, when you're able to let go of it, then we say, now you can create something amazing. Mm. Because until you're able to let go of it, you can't because you're just holding on to like, you can't fly because you're holding on to this anchor, right? And they talk a lot about um, this quote, I forgot who it's from, but it's like, expectations are the thief of joy, right? Yes. And it's just like, expectations are what leads to depression. Expectations Mm -hmm. are what leads to so much disappointment. Expectations is what leads to a groomzilla or a bridezilla, (laughs) right? Where you're like, I have to have the perfect wedding. Well, what does that mean? The perfect wedding means that you can only have one outcome. That means all of your friends and family that are surrounding you, all those opportunities to connect are now gone, Mm-hmm. All of those play moments are gone because you're fixated on one choice. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, why do you make that decision? When you go traveling and you have that amazing experience, you don't have expectations. You're just <laughs> saying yes to everything, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you find yourself on some motorcycle. It takes you to some <laughs> random island and then you meet someone amazing. Maybe you marry that person, but you don't know, right? So like, I'm all about exploring that travel-oriented, play-oriented mindset and encouraging people to let go of that expectation and then get really quiet, really bored, and then follow their curiosity. You know, it's funny because I think I lost that curiosity. Just I think we lived in New York at exactly the same time because I was there over 9-11. I stayed about a year after. But I just remember before that happened, I was so I loved the city so much because I could walk out my door in the morning, have no idea by the end of the day what what time I'd be home, who I would have met, where Mm -hmm. I would have gone. I mean, it's just one of those places you walk down a different street and suddenly you're in a totally new adventure. And then when I moved back to LA, I'm like, nah, it's not like that here. I can't do anything. Right. But it was also the mindset I brought home with me right. after that kind of a tragedy. Um, and I've thought a lot lately about how that that the tragedy that or the this time in history we're living through right now, I mean, at that time, the people who are directly related to the situation were living in the city. Um, you know, the whole country was affected, but there was definitely a, a, a central place where mm-hmm. most of the people affected were living. Now, um, the people who are affected are living all over the world and worldwide. We're going through this, this the pandemic, but even more now on top of that, we're going through um, this reconciling with racism. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you've done a, a, a lot of work. I didn't actually get a chance to listen to the vi- video. I, I actually will be definitely listening to it. Um, I, it's um, a YouTube video that I found or that was on your website. Um, but I just kind of want to see, like, is there a way do communities heal through this kind of resilience? Or is this something that we have to do just by ourselves and maybe infect other people? Or what, what do you think about how people handle um, the racial reconciliation that's happening right now, since yeah, it just seems think, to be getting worse. 
I think it's both. Mm -hmm. um, it's always both. Isn't always it? both. It's always both. Yes, I mean, and so so first, let's go back to nine eleven, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember, like, I was living in Brooklyn, commuting to New Jersey, which was horrible. Um, <laughs> and I remember, you know, right after nine eleven, they didn't let people go down past Fourteenth Street, right? Yeah. So I would go there, and people would have debates. And you had conservatives and progressives. You had, um, uh, what is it? You, yeah, you just had all these random people there. And mm -hmm. I remember bringing a soccer ball one day. Um, and I create like, like the circle was created of like, maybe it was like 30 of us just kicking the ball around. And that was just like a community space. Mm -hmm. where people were dropping flowers, where people were having debates, where people were playing, where, you know, and I think they're right now, people need to let go of what they think is the right thing to do and mm -hmm. just show up in whatever oh. way. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, I was talking to my friend, Angie, who was talking to me about um, white, um, white women, like as a content, as a construct. Mm -hmm. And she was explaining the construct of like, you know, white women for the last 200 years, if not longer, you know, there's such this construct of like the perfect person, yep. you know, the perfect lily white person that has her house perfectly cleaned. And like, you know, all those stupid commercials about like, you know, how like I have the, the kids are off and I, the house is clean and everything's, and I'm also working and I'm leaning into this and I'm just like doing everything perfectly. Yeah. Right. So because of that story that is heard over and over again, um, she says a lot of the people that she works with, feel like they can't do anything without making mistakes. So then they don't want to do it. And mm -hmm. it's like, nah, not during racism, not during this, not during this time. Are you allowed to like step out of this? You need to show up imperfectly, right? Yes. You can go read your white fragility book, you know, in your <laughs> book club, which is safe and that's great. And then you need to show up mm -hmm. and how you show up is totally up to you, but you need to like show up. So yeah. is that opportunities where you speak up, where you, you know, where it, there is some racism happening? Is it um, the organizations that you're trying to support? You know, is it like trying to um, help a certain candidate because you know that we're more likely to be able to talk about the Black Lives Matters movement and address defunding the police if we have a different candidate in office, not just at the presidential level, but on every level, local, mm -hmm. whatever. So, you know, it's like showing up and showing up from a humble place where you are not trying to lead. I think yeah. that is a huge part that a lot of, of uh, white people can do, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for uh, people of color is just like, you know, this is nothing new. Like, it's funny how people are like, are you okay? And it's just <laughs> like, yeah. I guess like, no, but this is, it's, there's, there's been 1100 people that have died at, on average mm -hmm. that they've been able to track 2019, 2018, 2016, 2015, all by the police. Like this is just only based off of data that they've been able to track since 2014. Um, so like, you know, it, it's, it's better that it's now in the forefront. It has an Emmett Till type, moment to it mm -hmm. again yeah. um but yeah like 
it's nothing new. It's just more the idea of like, it's now out in the forefront. And Mm -hmm. COVID has also lifted the veil off of not just like racism, but also just the massive amount of inequity that is going on and how quickly, you know, we can go from being a first world country to looking more like a third world country with a Gucci belt on, Mm -hmm, right? Like, you know, just, (laughs) you know, just like, wait, all these people are getting evicted? Like 21 million people might get evicted in the next two months? Wait, what? Well, how is that possible? You know, there's just like so many ways in which like it's just been really messed up. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's these times where you feel like, well, I'm just so exhausted. Let me just isolate myself. And it's like, hey, if you need to binge watch Netflix for a little bit, watch Avatar, cool. But after you do that, then you need to show back up. Like, yep. because because we need as many people in the community as possible. And that mm-hmm. is showing up in a variety of different ways. Yeah. And I feel like like what, what we were talking about earlier, as far as you go through this period where you go from fun to feeling like you should be cool. You should do certain jobs. And I mean, that's exactly the arc that my life took. I, I was, I was supposed to be a pastor. I went to seminary. I did all the things I was supposed to do that I knew that I was going to do from the time I was a little kid. And then I get to the point where I'm supposed to start going for ordination in my church. And I was like, Oh no. And it was my dad. Who's a pastor. Who's like, I know you and I know you'll be miserable, mm. but I was still, I would rather be miserable and be doing and, and hold on to that idea of all the shoulds because it's a scarier path to walk into the complete unknown. And and I can't help but just imagine just this, this the story of this country. We had this amazing beginning and they're not that, I mean, as far as just the ideals, the story that we've been told all this time is kind of this, what we're supposed to be. And I didn't, I had never heard until Watchmen, I had never heard about what happened in Tulsa. Mm. I didn't know anything about that. Mm. And there were so many things that I'd never heard about. Mm. And so I was like, I feel like, we can either keep going with all of these these preconceived ideas that we were taught and and try to shut our eyes and just pride pride to pretend everything was as great as we thought it was mm-hmm. or we can just admit that it, none of this has been working all the, all along mm-hmm. and we can either keep going into our delusion or we can actually take a step into something scary and new and awesome and inclusive of everyone yes um, and it's just hard because it, it it's just because it's so new it will be it will be a brand new path yeah. And that's what's so scary for people. Just like embracing play is hard because it feels weird as an adult, but pl- using a, a playful mindset is the only real way you can like imagine a new outcome. Yeah. Without, yeah, exa- yeah. <laughs> exa- exactly. Oh, I love everything that you just said. Because Aww. I mean, when I, when I first read the people's history by <sighs> Howard Zinn, I, you know, like in college, I was just like, oh my goodness, you know, and it was, and it's just, it's just this idea of claiming, actually claiming our history, all of our history, Mm -hmm. just like emotions, right? You claim the joy and the grief, the sadness and the anger, like all of the emotions. And, um, you know, my friend Tashawn said this best where she goes, you know, the earth right now is telling the truth and America Mm. is lying to itself. Ooh, and, yes. it, and it's lying to itself in a variety of ways. It's mm-hmm. it's trying to rush back. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm not sick. I'm fine. You know, it's trying to like <laughs> get back to normal. It's trying to still be number one, even though it doesn't even make sense. It's trying to do all these things to like kind of hide all of the horribleness under the rug. And yep. frankly, like as long as that's out there, we really can't move on, right? No, no, um, no, no. And then, you know, just thinking about 
the mindset of like of of play and also in the mindset of of death because i think a lot of people are like well play and death they're not they don't connect and it's just like yeah, dude <laughs> some of the most playful people are right near death because they they've let go they've just let go and when you truly are able to embrace death you then actually understand what living really is yes i mean if and a perfect example of that is chadwick boseman hello <sighs> Yeah, the whole time oh. he filmed Black Panther, both End Games, The Bloods. I think another movie. He was going to cancer mm -hmm. wards. Yep. He was I, telling nobody yeah. about it because he didn't want to draw attention to him. He yeah. wanted to put the attention on the cancer patients. Mm -hmm. You know, when they would tell him, like, you know, I'm just staying alive so I can see this movie. Like, oh you know yeah. how, like, tough that was for him? But he was showing up fully, Ugh. fully showing up, like, l living it full out, acting full out. I always wondered, I was like, he's such a good actor. Mm -hmm. Why is he so good? And it was like, <laughs> oh, because he knew. He didn't, he might not have, this might be his last performance. Yeah. And he was probably thinking about every single take. And he was mm -hmm. just like, I got to do that. And that's kind of even how I feel when I like make videos now. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. I need to just make as much stuff as possible because who knows what will happen and why not play full out yeah. you know? and look at the magic he was able to just do in the span of just like five years. Yeah. You know, just think about all of the, you know, like if everyone had what he had, but they had a longer period of life, they could oh. do so many amazing things. Seriously. So I love to goodwill hunt people, goodwill hunting people, <laughs> which is I call them out, you know, like in goodwill hunting where he's like, you're a genius. And he's like, oh, you know, what do I owe it to myself, you know, to be here? And he's just like, no, no, you don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me. You owe it to all these other guys because anyone oh, who gives yes. anything, anything to be in the position that you're in right now, you know, it's an insult for you to be here. It's an insult for you to not take advantage of this because we, because you need to be fully alive, right? You need to pursue what you are meant to pursue that you've always known, but you've been shying away from because it's that whole quote of like, don't mm -hmm. ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive mm -hmm. because what the world needs is for more people to come alive. So you need to come alive so that I can show up. So someone else can show up. Someone is waiting for you mm -hmm. to show up. So show up. And that is like <laughs> my main message whenever I'm preaching about play. Oh, I love it. And and I, so I want to ask you, I've been dwelling with this, this, this for so long. But to somebody who maybe would hear that and go, what do I know? I'm an accountant. What can I do? I don't know what, what, I don't know what lights me up. I guess I like getting off work and going to happy hour. I don't know. What do, what do you say to somebody who's well, like, what do I play? What do I know? You know? <laughs> well, let's talk about that first. I think, and I, I learned this from my book club. We're reading gifts of imperfection right now. Oh, I Brene, love that book. Which is like, a, people sleep on that book. That's uh -huh. like probably one of her best, Yeah, you know? Um, and she talks about the numbing, right? Mm -hmm. How you numb, and when you numb yourself, and this is what I feel like a lot of people do, and I've done this myself as well, is when you numb yourself from the, from the, the feelings of sadness mm -hmm. and anger and all those, you also numb yourself from the feelings of joy. 
and all of the happiness and the flip side of it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, yes, I was freaked out when I leaped out of an airplane <laughs> and it was so scary. But once I was able to be like, I might die. Well, I might always die. Right? I'm just going to enjoy the ride down. <laughs> then all of a sudden it was the most thrilling experience. So on the, as Will Smith says, on the flip side of fear is the most amazing mm. adventure, Right. So I would challenge someone that's an accountant or whatever position you're in and you don't like your job. I'm not telling you to quit your job tomorrow. Like you don't have to do anything drastic like that. But I think they should do the exploration that you did. And I do in my workshop where we go, what did you love to do as a kid? Yes. What was the thing you loved to do most? Okay, let's let's think about that for for a, a moment. And let's think of the core play values of that play. So mm-hmm. mine was, I loved to combine board games together and then force my sisters to play these epic long board games. <laughs> oh, horrible for them, great for me, right? <laughs> but as part of that, what did I love? I loved creating experiences. I loved the adventure. I loved the unknown and I loved the connection. Mm-hmm. So those core values of mine, I needed to incorporate those in to every all the stuff that I want to do in life, right? Mm-hmm. My friend Lauren, or that I do the Your Future Is Your Fun work- workshop is, she loved to play sardines, which is reverse hide and seek. <laughs> she loved creativity, collaboration, and connection. Those are her values. So everything that she does, she makes sure that she has those three mm-hmm. in there, right? So it's exploring like, oh, what's possible? Mm-hmm. And so that's the first step you could do. Then the second step, which I ask a lot of people to do, and I've put this in some of my videos, is you reach out to your friends <laughs> and your family, the people that are most closest to you, and you ask them two questions. One, what, what value do, do I bring to your life? And that's a really hard question to ask. But it's a question, you're like, why are we friends? Like, why, why do you keep hanging out with me? And it's really interesting to hear what people reflect back at you because they start reflecting the things that you might have forgotten about yourself. They reflect back the song that you used to sing, but now you've forgotten, right? And then the second question I always ask is like, when have you seen me the happiest? When have you seen me most at play? And then they can also reflect that. And then combining those core values with the answers that you get from your friends, you start to figure out like, oh, what is all this? What could I create with this? Could it be a job? Maybe it doesn't have to be a job. Could it be like a hobby? Maybe it could be that. I don't know, but follow that quiet voice that's like, let's do that because it's cool. That would be really, not cool, cool, but because it is interesting to me. And just see where it takes you. And I guarantee you, you're going to at least have fun doing it. Absolutely. So this, and this is part of your work, correct? You, as a, you're a play coach, play, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, how- a play whisperer. whisperer. In many ways. <laughs> That's great. I like that. <laughs> I say so- that because it's like, I just whisper because I can see everyone's inner child. Mm-hmm. I just like that. This is, and I got this answer because people reflected that back at me. They're like, you see me. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the, you see how I was as a kid and you know how to go into your kid self so well, because I still think I'm like eight years old. Um, <laughs> so I see that in them and I'm like, why, why are you not doing more of that? That seems like that brings you more happiness. They're like, yeah, but you know, you know, I don't want to tell anyone about all the weird things that yeah. I do. And it's like <laughs> the weird things are the best things about you. Absolutely. <laughs> the weird things is why you're here, yes. why you showed up. 
you know, um, and, and especially now, even before COVID times, to watch the amount of people that have now play video games for a living online, you know, unbox things for, you know, online, play with toys online. <laughs> like people are just making stuff up. That guy that has the marble run. I mean, oh, I, I love the marble run. The jelly marble run. Like, oh dude, the dude was just doing it for himself. Yeah. And he just <sighs> chose to start filming it. And then John Oliver sponsors him. Mm-hmm. Like, you see what happens <laughs> when you're willing to dive into your play? Yep. Who knows what jobs are going to exist after COVID? Who yep. knows what jobs are going to exist 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. But if you're pursuing your play and getting really good at it, mm-hmm eventually someone's going to hire you to pay you to do something that you never thought you could get paid to do. So why not explore that? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, what if someone did want to work with you or, or continue a conversation with you, what would be the best place for them to reach you at? So they can just go to rediscoveryourplay.com and they can just set up, you know, I I'm happy to talk to someone for free and just, figure out um we have a mischief call um and then i also make a lot of ridiculous funny weird videos on my instagram page um and yes that's J- oh i've barely scratched the surface i'm so yeah, excited and that's jeff harry plays j-e-f-f-h-a-r-r-y and then plays p-l-a-y-s and i'm on instagram tiktok twitter YouTube, all on that handle. So oh my it's God, all we'll the put same as many stuff. links as possible into the show notes. And oh my gosh, yeah, this is. <laughs> there's just there's so much to learn from you just from what I've seen so far so many other topics that we didn't even talk about today um, and I think it was the it was the uh, the a-holes at work thing I think that was the thing where I first found you then I found it very helpful yes on well, medium that was one I mean, of my favorites I love that you found that at some point bring Gary Ware and I on and we can just talk about that because that would be a fun conversation to have. I have been kind of like sitting there like going Gary where's amazing I want to ask him to be my podcast but I'm scared and I'm like, because well on separately because okay it's just so amazing no 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 I want to hear this too and then after that okay. then bring us both on it's and a we'll really important topic to, to think about playfully so yes definitely there will be a future in uh, conversations we can have but I am just so excited to have had you on do you have any upcoming workshops or anything we should know about or just jump on your um, mail list? well the thing that I would love for people to check out is um there was a new york times article that just was uh, just came out on like maybe two or three weeks ago Mm -hmm. uh, by Kristen wong and i'm in it um and it's about and it's called how to add more play to your grown-up life even now and it really is all about like embracing these uncertain times with that playful mindset because that is probably the best way in which you can have a good time during this crazy time Absolutely. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes as well, for sure. Oh, well, thank you so much for this conversation. I am absolutely so grateful for this time. All right. Well, thank you. Take care, everyone. See ya. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, Playgrounding is supported by listeners like you. How? By playing your heart out, even in 2020. And by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and if you have a minute, leaving a review. We've got a great lineup for September. Lots more resources for helping you not only get through this crazy time in history, 
but also to helping us dream up new worlds for ourselves, for our communities, and even the world. See you next week.